0: Okay, if you have your Bibles. Turn to Philippians. We're on Sunday evenings. We're doing a study through uh, the book of Philippians together. So, I want to encourage you to to bring your Bibles. Or and uh, last week we began this, so you're not too far behind. If you missed last week's sermon and want to hear it, it is online. You can go online uh, to fb, fbcfh.org, Click on the sermons thing, and it'll be right there. They're in order of the teaching. So, uh, you're and you can listen to that online. Uh, when you think about the book of Philippians, or at least when I think about the book of Philippians, it, it really is one of Paul's most encouraging books. And, uh, of course, he encourages them to, to stay true to the Word, to, to stay true to the Gospel. Uh, one of his main themes in this book, as we talked about last week, is unity. But that unity is not based upon uh, a, just a religious experience or, uh, or a feeling unity in the church is always based upon Jesus Christ. So the teaching about Jesus Christ becomes very crucial as to whether or not there's genuine unity. And if you remember last week, we talked about how it was Jesus' heart to pray for you and I that we would be one in Christ uh, and we would be one together in, in in the call that Christ has for us. Just the way that He is one with His Father, He's called us to be one. And again, I want to remind you, There's no such thing as fake unity. The ecumenical movement is actually based upon a a presupposition that that people can create unity. Unity is created in Christ Jesus. He is the central uh, truth and the central person when it it comes to bringing people together. That does not mean everybody that is in Christ Jesus sees everything exactly the same way. Matter of fact, everybody in this room doesn't see everything exactly the same way. But what it does mean is that when it comes to Jesus, we believe what the scripture says about Jesus. We hold to the, the orthodox, the biblical teaching of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Now how we celebrate that, how we worship that, how we might interpret how the Holy Spirit works in us and all these kind of things, those things can be different within, within different groups. But if Jesus isn't right, it doesn't matter what else you build upon that. So Jesus has to be right, and that's what, that's what Paul is trying to encourage the church at Philippi about, to keep Jesus in his proper place in their hearts and in the church. We have looked at Paul's desire last week to, to share his thoughts for the church and then his prayer. Remember, we went over his prayer for the church. Tonight, we're going to look at the, the apostle as, as he's going to speak of his desire that the church be about what it's supposed to be about primarily. And that is preaching Jesus. That's our number one call. Now, I understand, and I think you understand, there's a lot of different things that go along with that. Okay? As we apply Christ in every area of our life, that changes every area in our life. Christ is not just for Sunday morning in the church, but he is meant to impact every area of our life. Our, our, the way we act, the way we live, uh, our values... Um, what we stand for, what we stand against, all of those things are to be impacted by the reality of who Jesus Christ is. But if you don't preach Jesus, how can that be the foundation for everything else? And that's the point that he makes here. We must preach Jesus. We must teach Jesus. So let's look at verses 12 through 18, chapter 1. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Here's what he said. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, to all and to all the rest, that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, have, having become confident by my chains, are more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. This is kind of an interesting perspective that Paul has. We're going to to look at this. And, and, And the key point of my message tonight is that the message of Jesus is always greater than the messenger. And we talked about this before. It is not the messenger that validates the message, it is actually the message that validates the messenger. That's why I encourage you to know what the Bible says, to know what the Bible teaches. So that no matter who preaches or teaches to you, you you have the ability to evaluate whether or not what they're telling you is biblical. The message is greater than the message. By the way, that that has to be true or no man or woman would ever be qualified to share the message. Okay? Now that's not an excuse to live any way you want and say what you want. That's not what he's saying here. But if we're waiting for the messenger... To be completely perfect and be have everything in order and everything right and stuff, then nobody would have, be able to preach to, to be able to preach it. The message is greater than the messenger. But the message is important. And when Paul speaks of the message, he begins a passage we look at tonight. Look there in verse twelve. He says, But I want you to know, brother, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Can you imagine the heart of Paul? Or any other person who has suffered for the gospel to say, I can even rejoice in my suffering, knowing that my suffering, or in my suffering, the gospel has reached some people. Now that's an incredible heart. Have you ever said to the Lord in your prayer time, maybe out loud, Lord, whatever you have to do in my life so that you might use me and that your message might work through me, do it. Ever made a prayer or anything similar to that? That's a kind of a dangerous prayer. <laughs> you know, when you ask a prayer like that, you have no idea what, what the Lord may bring into your life. I, I'm not sure that we're always completely aware of the things that stand in, in between us and being faithful servants of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure that we're always aware of those things. Sometimes, sometimes I, I know I have them blinders to myself. I mean, we can see clearly things in other people. But blinders in ourselves, and, and having the, the heart to say, Holy Spirit, show me everything about myself. Expose that to me. And, and then, then, Lord, whatever you have to do to bring me to the place where you can use me for your kingdom's work, do that. Now think about the Apostle Paul, all that he went through. It's not a small thing for him to say, you know what? Um, I, am, I am glad... Not for the suffering, but I'm glad in the suffering that that suffering has resulted in more people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is quite a heart when you think about it. You know, and and I think to have that kind of heart is really to say it's more important to me that others hear about Jesus than even my own comfort. And if you think about what Paul went through, again, the beatings, the uh, imprisonments, uh, the stonings, where they, where they actually left him for dead at least one time. Um, the rejection of everybody he ever knew and ever trusted, um, including some thorn in the flesh that we don't know exactly what is. There's all kinds of, I'm sure you've heard all kinds of teachings on that and someone telling you what it is, and if they told you what it is, they don't know. The Bible didn't say it, so how do they know? So, but it's a thorn in the flesh that even Paul asked that God would remove because it, it must have been very troublesome to him. And yet God said, Paul, I'm, I'm choosing not to remove this out of your life. because." And it, I, I, when you read it, I read it this way. Because, Paul, you need this. You don't think you need it, and you don't want it. But, Paul, you need this. Because God knew Paul. And by the way, God knows us. God knows what we need. Is the gospel more important to us than, than what we think we want, or our comfort, or as we talked about this morning, uh, you know, all those things that, that we tend to put a lot of value on? Is the gospel that important to us? And and you see Paul, who says, you know what, I can just see him in that. It, it, it was in this. It was in the prison in Philippi that he's writing this letter to. But you remember what happened to him in Philippi? It's where they were beaten. Paul and Silas, remember that in the book of Acts? They were beaten, and the scripture says they were thrown in the deepest part of the jail. And they would chain them. And it says they were chained in that deepest part of jail. And come about midnight, what, is Paul, what are Paul and Silas doing? They're doing what most of us do. They're down there moaning and complaining and telling God, Hey, I preached the gospel. I did all these things for you. And look, what, what is this? What kind of reward is this? And you know that's not what Paul was doing. But how many of us would have been doing it? I'll raise my hand first. I'm going to tell you that would have crossed my mind several times down there. How about you? You know, we have, we have no expectation of suffering for our faith. We don't. It is so, it's such a foreign concept to us, it, it, it flies past us. And yet we know as we read, we read things like uh, articles from The Voice of the Martyrs and, and, and we have brothers and sisters all around the world that every day, every day they have expectation of somehow suffering for the gospel. And yet we, we really have not taken advantage of an open window that God has given us in sharing the gospel in a time of peace. If the Bible's true, by the way it is, whether you believe it or not it's true, our expectations are going to change. Or may I put it this way, our realities are going to change. Because it's going to start costing, even the Western church, to be followers of Jesus Christ. What were Paul and Silas doing? I don't want to leave that story undone. They were singing praises to the Lord. And what happened? The chains fall off. Now remember, these are guys that that had been beaten with rods, chained, and by the way, chained in a very uncomfortable position, And it was after they were beaten with rods, thrown into the dungeon, and chained chained in the way that they were chained. That's when they were singing. They didn't sing after they got released. They were singing while they were in chains, while they were sore and beaten and, and, and bloody. That's when they were singing. And then the chains fall off, and the door opens up. And you know the story, the Philippian jailer says, "Uh uh-oh, they're out of here, I'm gonna take care of myself, because he knew that if they escaped, he was responsible for them, and and the Romans would would have killed him. So the Bible says he actually draws his sword, he's about ready to kill himself, and Paul says, don't do that, we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. And incredibly, the Philippian jailer takes Paul and Silas to his house. He cleans their wounds, he ministers to Paul and Silas, and then Paul and Silas turned around and ministered to him. And the Bible says that he and his household that day came to faith. From Paul doing exactly what he says right here. Now, he, this, letter, this letter is post that experience. That experience happened before Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. Okay, you have to know that. So he's not speaking theoretically here. He's not speaking of someone else's experience. He's speaking of what he has faced. And such a heart for God to say, I am thankful in my sufferings for the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how many many of you have been here long enough to know my favorite movie of all time? There, Braveheart, there you go. (laughs) Okay, and my favorite line in there is every man dies, but not every man really lives. And you remember that part, and this is not Bible, but it it ties in. Where the the princess is trying to get him to take take, um, some medicine to keep him from suffering so much. And he says, I can't, I don't want my senses to be dimmed when it's time for me to proclaim what I need to proclaim. And then she says, you're going to die. And that's when he says, every man dies, not every man really lives. It is true, all, every one of us will die. We're still here, so it's time for to look for us to look at whether or not we're really living for Christ. Will our existence make a difference in the kingdom of God? Will our message be the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul was saying that same thing. He, no matter what his circumstances were, he was living in Christ. And, and, and he was actually enjoying life in Christ, even though at times it cost him dearly. How important is the gospel message to us? Can we be encouraged by the Apostle Paul, who carried that message wherever he went, whatever he was doing? You say, well, of course he did. He was a paid missionary. Was he a paid missionary? I'm not sure that he was. Matter of fact, he was a tent maker, which meant that he spent a lot of his time working on to provide for food and stuff so that he would have the opportunity. And many times he'll say, I never ask anything of you. I never ask anything of this church. I never ask you to give. And he said, I'm glad that I didn't because then you could say, Paul, owe this. He said, all, all I ever did was preach the gospel and never ask for anything in return. Okay? That's the heart that I believe God wants us to have. The heart that shares the gospel and whatever that cost in comparison to the reality and the richness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cost does not even match up. That's what Paul's saying. By the way, I just got to say that he's not denying pain and suffering and hurt and loss. He acknowledges all those things in his life. But he also acknowledged that he was learning to be content in whatever the Lord had called him to. What a life. What a great man of faith. What an example for us. So, we see here that the Apostle rejoices even in the awful situation and circumstances he is because it gave him the opportunity to share the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we could this week just do this. Simple simple request from God. God would you give me the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? I doubt doubt any of us are going to end up in jail. I doubt any of us are going to get beaten this week. So from a a place of complete freedom, who would ask Jesus, Lord, would you give me the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ this week with somebody? It's not going to cost you anything. Maybe your time. Alright. So, he, that was his heart when it comes to sharing the gospel. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says this, so, so that it has become evident to the to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. the And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now this is interesting. What does this tell you about where Paul must be when he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi? He would be certainly be in jail, wouldn't he? Where do you suppose in jail? Where do you suppose he was when he wrote this? Where's the most prominent place that Paul was in jail when he wrote most of, many of the letters? Not most. In Rome. Okay? And we know he was there when he wrote to Ephesus because you remember at the end he uses the, the Roman guard as, as, as an example of the full armor of God in that thing. So, so we have him speaking here. And, and note, look at what he says here. The gospel being preached... Reaches and impacts believers and unbelievers alike. So, in this context, he talks about how evident the power of the gospel is in Paul's life, even to those who are sent to watch him, the palace guards. And we don't know whether or not these guys ever received Jesus Christ or, or responded to the gospel. But the point is that Paul is saying whether or not they did, the power of the gospel touches everybody. When you look at when you look at the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's like so many things in the Scripture. It, it really works both ways, like like the, the like the like the, the the sword which is the word of God. What kind of what kind of sword is that? It's a two edged sword, which means it does what? It cuts both ways. Okay, it cuts both ways, and. The, the picture there is it cuts one way, which is a way of blessing, and and, a way of, and the other way it cuts is a way of judgment. Jesus himself is a stone that came down out of heaven. He's one stone. But, but if you fall on the stone, you're broken. But if the, if the same stone falls on you, then you're, you're under judgment. Okay, The gospel is the same way. It impacts the believer and the non-believer alike. Because that is the power of the gospel. You say, well, what if they don't receive the gospel? Then they stand responsible for that which they have received. And, and again, from many of our Christian perspective, it's hard for me, and I'll just be honest with you, it's hard for me to understand why anybody would reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It really is just hard for me to believe. You can know your sins are forgiven. You can know you, have, you can have everlasting life. Why would you push that aside? There's a whole lot of, I know there are a whole lot of different dynamics when it comes to that and stuff, but it, from my perspective, this is the most wonderful gift that anybody could ever receive. Why would you reject it? Okay? So, and, and, it, and it could be that, you know, they're not open to the Holy Spirit. It could be, there could be a whole lot of reasons and stuff, but again, from one who believes, I think everybody ought to believe. So wonderful. Um, so, here's what you can know. When God has called you to share the Gospel, and when God calls me to share the Gospel, what if nobody responds? Did we waste our time? What if nobody believes? Did we waste our time? What if nobody comes to Jesus? Did we waste our time? And of course the answer for all three of those things are no. All of you have heard of William Carey, right? Incredible man. He's a failure. Just a failure. A pitiful failure. Seven years. They're on the mission field, and nobody come to Christ. We need to fire him. They should have fired him about the second year along. You know I'm being facetious. This is being taped, I better say that. <laughs> but you know what? That's how That's how far too many people think the church needs to operate. We, we, we evaluate the success of ministries by the size and by how many respond to whatever the message is and stuff like this. It's always... It's always wonderful when someone responds to the gospel. I love it. But people responding to the gospel is not our business. I'm going to say that again. People responding to the gospel is not our business. That belongs to the Holy Spirit alone. Jesus never called us to build his church. He said he would build his church. And the gates of hell would not stand against it. Jesus never called us to bring conviction into somebody's heart. The Holy, only the Holy Spirit can bring conviction into somebody's heart. Jesus never called us to save souls. You couldn't do it if you wanted to. Only the Holy Spirit can convict somebody and bring them to the place of faith and a place of salvation. Period. And that's true, whatever, whatever, wherever you are on that spectrum of between Armenian and 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 Calvinist. It's, I don't care where you are on that. If, you, if you're way over here to where you say it's all free will, we need to talk afterwards. But <laughs> it's not all free will. There's no way it's even possible to be all free will. It's not even, it's, it's not even arguable anymore. Well, there are for some people. because they're, anyways. but anyways. <laughs> Only the Holy Spirit can bring someone to salvation. So you say, that okay, pastor, what is our part then? It's very simple. You want to have success as a Christian? You know the difference between success and, and failure as a Christian? There's one word. It really is one word. The one word is obedience. It never results. It is never results. It is obedience. If God tells us or calls us to do something, that's what we need to be doing. And we need to be doing it, I would say, with empty hands and with feel, full hearts empty hands with no expectation because any increase and any change again belongs to the Lord. I'm just doing what my what my savior has called me to do with a full heart caring for people because I know that they need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever get it into your head that that you have to be successful. That you have to Keep account of how many people you've led to the Lord. I mean, there are some churches that said, "How many souls did you save this this week?" and they actually take a tally. I, I've seen. I can show you stuff. They're taking a tally. How many souls did you save this week? And oh, pastor, I saved five souls this week. And you know, and all this. Really? That's incredibly arrogant, first of all, and it's completely anti-biblical, second of all. And you Are you? might say. Are you saying that nobody in that group got saved? I'm not saying that at all. God can. God, and we'll talk about that in a minute. God can use even the worst techniques, and the worst approaches, because He. Listen. The message is bigger than the messenger. God can use that. But, but if you can be biblically right, don't you want to be biblically right? If you can approach people from a biblical perspective, isn't that what you want to do? Of course. It takes away all the all the things that stand in between you and them and what you do what we do is we share the pure gospel to them the gospel of mercy the gospel of grace the gospel of Jesus Christ and we, we, we share that with them then we trust the Holy Spirit to take that and touch them in their heart and their soul and their spirit as only he can do that and then trust him with the results also so Paul talks about here you know after he speaks about that he even rejoices in the suffering. He said, and, and it is evident that, that when the gospel goes out, even the palace guards are impacted by it. And it goes on to say, and, and, and not only the palace guard, but, and to all the rest, he says, that my chains are in Christ. In other words, whether they agree with him, Paul, or not, they know the reason that Paul is there is because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I actually had that experience in the Army where people did not agree with me, did not like what I told them and stuff. And some of, them, some of the fellow MPs, they told me that. We don't like what you're saying and stuff like that. They rejected it. Going to hell in a handbasket. I don't care. All these kind of things. But by the end of the, by the, end of the three years that I was over there in Japan with these guys, many of those same guys come up and said, I still don't agree with you, but I respect you. Because for three years I saw you walk what you said you believed. Okay? Many of those guys now, because of Facebook, I know, have put their faith in Jesus Christ. God brought someone else along to share with them the gospel, but God uses everything along the way to touch people. So you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying, he's not saying that all the palace guards believed and everybody responded to him and that, that knew him, but what he is saying is, they know why I'm here. And they know who I am. And they know whose I am. That's why I'm here. And they know that. They got the message. Whether they agree with it or don't agree with it. You know what? We Christians need to be very careful that we don't give up our integrity to fit in with the world that we live in.
1: Because once
0: you give up your integrity, I'm talking about the integrity of our faith. Once we give that up, it's almost impossible to regain it. We've got to walk Live, speak, act in the integrity of our faith so that we do not lose our witness. Remember King David, he, that was one of his prayers. Basically, it's a prayer for integrity. He said, Lord, forbid that I should do anything that would cause your, your enemies to blaspheme your name. And that has to be, that has to be our, our intention. We want to walk in the integrity of our faith so that people know. Not again so they will believe. That belongs to who? We were said to the Holy Spirit. But so that they know, and we do not become a stumbling block because of our hypocrisy. But we are, we are a continual witness or a continual testimony to what God does. That's what Paul says here. They know because they see Him. And they know why He's there. And they've heard Him. And they've seen the way that He lives. They know the prison guards know and everybody else knows. Look at verse 14, then he goes and it says, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having, been, having become confident in my change, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, look at what Paul's saying. His faithfulness to God, even in the midst of persecution, has become a testimony to other Christians. And he actually says, he says Other brothers become more confident as they see what I'm going through. And, 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 and they're not afraid. Paul is willing to be an example of the faith to all the world, but he's also willing to be an example of the faith to other brothers and sisters in Christ who've been called to the exact same ministry of sharing the gospel. That being said, I always think there's a place to share what God is doing, because it encourages the body of Christ. We witness to somebody, and we see the power of God fall upon them, and the Holy Spirit move them, and they come to salvation. We share that as a testimony to what God has done, because it encourages others. God is still alive. God is still touching heart. God is still changing lives. Amen. And it, to me, it's part of the testimony of what Jesus told us to do when we, when we enter into the baptismal waters. It is a declaration that God is still saving people. But we will not see that second part that we just talked about unless we're faithful to the first part. That's being obedient regardless of our situation to share the gospel wherever God has put us, just like the Apostle Paul. And then see the power of God touch people, again, whether they receive or don't receive, but also see our walk be an encouragement to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, Let's let's finish this up by looking at the last portion. Look at verse 15 through 18, and here's what he says. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerity supposing to add affliction to my chains but the latter out of love knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel what then only that every in in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is preached and in this I rejoice yes and will rejoice now what is Paul talking about here what he's not talking about here is that the gospel does not matter what he's not talking about here is anything you want to preach is okay as long as you preach it and call it gospel. That's what he's not talking about here. Paul was a great defender of the one true gospel. You can read it all throughout his writing. So he's not saying preach anything you want and that's okay. What he is saying is this. There's a reality for Paul as there is a reality for all of us who stand for Jesus Christ. Some people don't like you. And it's clear that some people did not like the apostle Paul. There were many times that they challenged who he was, challenged what his position was, challenged his authority. They would not receive him as an apostle. They rejected him completely. And and what he's saying here is that even some of those, in spite to Paul, preached the gospel. And probably in the preaching of the gospel, used Paul's name to say, listen, we're here talking about what true Christianity is. We're not like that Paul guy. I'm quite sure that some of them didn't call him Paul then. I'm sure it was, they put that Saul guy over there, you know. Uh, so he had, Paul had opposition. And notice his heart here. He says, first of all, he says, guys, it's not about me. It's not about who likes me. It's not even about who agrees with me. Okay, It's not even about their motivation for preaching. Some of them may just went into preaching just because they don't like me. And they're going to prove me wrong. Paul said, okay. As long as you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see? Paul wanted to make sure that they, that they understood. This whole matter is not about Paul. It's not about whether you like him. It's not whether he's your best friend. It's about whether or not you're preaching the gospel. And Paul was ready to say, you know what? You can say anything you want about me as long as you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Tony, are they not accountable for the other things they say? Of course they're accountable for the other things they say. But to Paul, the of preeminent importance to him was that the gospel be proclaimed. And if in that proclamation he was even made a byword in that, he was okay with that. How was that any different than someone beating him with a rod? How's that any different than someone imprisoning him? As long as the gospel was proclaimed. All those other things, he understood that God would take care of those things. God would bring correction and discipline upon those who would falsely accuse a brother brother or, or mistreat a brother. But first and foremost, he wanted the gospel of Jesus to be proclaimed. And it is bigger than the pettiness of the human beings. It is bigger than the jealousies and the envy and the spite and the hatred, even we might have for other brothers and sisters that we don't agree with. Okay? Can we always rejoice, regardless of where it comes from, if it is the true gospel that's proclaimed? That's what the Apostle's saying. That's what he's calling us to. Because to Paul, everything was the gospel. Okay? What did he say? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. To Corinthian church says... I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes back to the gospel. He goes back to the gospel. The 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, says, "I, I wanted you to know of the gospel by which you are saved. In the first chapter of the book of Galatians, he, talked about, he talks about how the, the fact that he's worried about the, those group of churches because they have actually perverted and changed the gospel. And he, call, and he called down an anathema on them when they would dare preach another gospel. And he says, by, by the way, there is no such thing as another gospel. There's only one gospel. So Paul was committed to the gospel, so committed, that's what, what, he, what he's saying here, so committed to the gospel that he would suffer for it. If it meant the gospel getting out there. So committed to the gospel that he didn't spend all of his time being worried about who would receive it and who wouldn't receive it. But knew that if he was faithful and obedient to God, they would hear. And their lives would be impacted whether they accepted or whether they rejected. So faithful to the gospel that he made sure people understood that it wasn't about him. Nor was it even about the motive by which others shared the gospel. It's about the gospel. For the gospel is greater than we are. Now, let's unpack this for ourselves before we quit tonight. What does that mean to me? What's it mean to you? Well, first of all, it should place in our lives an importance for the uh, for the gospel itself. Okay. Second of all, I'm just going to assume that none of us are going to declare the gospel or share the gospel with lost people out of a place of spite, envy, all those things. Let's just put those things aside. Okay. But let's deal with something we might have trouble with. I'm not sure I'm qualified to share the gospel. I'm not sure I know enough to share the gospel. I'm sure there are other people that are better at sharing the gospel than, than I am at sharing the gospel. I'm not called to share the gospel. All these become excuses that are invalid. Because if you have the Holy Spirit within you, and that you do if you're born again, then you are called to be a witness unto Christ. And you may, you may not know all the different things the scripture teaches. First of all, nobody does. And you may not be able to uh, answer all the arguments. But I would say to you, keep focus on the gospel. Who Jesus is. You know who Jesus is, everybody? Nod your head, okay? got the first part. What did Jesus do? You know what Jesus did for you and for all mankind? You know that? Okay. You got it. Okay? So share that. You say, what happens if they ask me a question I don't know? You say, I don't know. Love to get you the answer, but don't try to... If you don't know, don't try to act like you know, because then they're, they're waiting for you. Boom. Stick to the Gospel. Share the Gospel. Leave them with the Gospel and trust the Holy Spirit with the Gospel. And every one of us who are born again are able to share the Gospel if, if we are willing to be obedient and submissive to the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus promised his followers when the time comes for you to open your mouth and to share what I've called you to share. I'm not even He, he tells us, don't even be worried about what you're going to share. I will be there with you, and He will. He'll be there with you. You'll be amazed at how He'll make you able to talk to people you never thought you could talk to. But stay on the gospel. Don't get into religious arguments, denominational arguments, political arguments. Stay on the gospel. They need the gospel. And when they get the gospel, then you can start telling them how that gospel impacts every other area of their life. But they got to come to faith first. got to be enlightened first. Because they can't understand your perspective while they still walk in darkness. Once they come to faith, then you can start sharing how God changes everything in your life and how it changes how you view the world and and, and believe different things now because you have the life of Christ in you. So Paul encourages and I encourage you to ask the Lord is there an opportunity for me to share the gospel this week? Mm -hmm. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be obedient. You put me in a place and you show me the opportunity and I will share the gospel. And it may start from a place of handing someone a tract. Say, would you just read this? It may come from a place where, where God puts you in a place and someone, come. you might be amazed, someone might come up to you and say, what do you know about just Jesus, guy? It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do. I think God's waiting for His church to say, Lord, we're available and we're ready to be obedient. Please show us. And He'll bring people across our path. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it it is encouraging to our hearts as we hear what your man, Paul, went through. And yet, going through all of these things, he kept his focus upon your gospel. He kept that the most important thing. So it didn't matter to him what they did to his body, what they said against him. The joy he had of... Uh, of the knowledge that people heard and people saw what you could do in someone's life, in his life, made all the difference for him. And he rejoices, and I pray we rejoice every time the true gospel is proclaimed, wherever it's proclaimed, and however it's proclaimed. Lord, because your message is bigger than all we messengers. And I thank you for that. So Holy Spirit, use us this week. Give us willing hearts to be obedient to you. Give us open ears to hear when you're leading us and guiding us. And give us awareness of where you put us and what we need to be sharing with those you bring across our path. And Lord, I pray and ask that we'll be careful to give you the glory for what you're going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.